Hey there, holistic badasses. Today, we are going to have a fantastic episode. We are going to smash together all the Ask the Herb Chick questions along with a really important topic. You know, living in our world today where most of us are now have been exposed or carried that wonderful virus which shall not be named, we are suffering some after effects. And a lot of those have to do with inflammation. So today we're gonna cover that, we're gonna tackle that topic, and I can't wait to share this info with you. Let's go out there and be some holistic badasses. Hey. Are you a holistic badass who's also a practitioner? Do you do foot reflexology? Do you do ear candling? Do you see clients and offer suggestions? Maybe it's time to get yourself covered with liability insurance in your alternative career path. You need to check out Alternative Balance. Just go to the link bio on the description of this podcast and follow the Alternative Balance link to see if they offer coverage for your profession. The information presented in this podcast is for informational and self-education use only. It is not intended for self-diagnosis, nor treatment, nor anything that constitutes the practice of medicine. Please consult with a qualified physician concerning the prudence of and before undertaking any major changes in diet, any treatments for disease, any use of drugs or prescription items, or the cessation thereof. Okay, holistic badasses, I am back. And today it is just me, but we're going to be picking my brain and I'm going to share some information with you guys about herbs that have the potential to possibly be anti-inflammatory. And they're out there. Now, first, let me just tell you that most plants that serve as food contain nutritional compounds that serve anti-inflammatory purposes. But there are some that are chock full of goodness and do that job just a little more efficiently. So today on this podcast, I'm going to talk about my top three picks. Um, two of them are rather popular and one you may not have heard of before. So I'm going to throw them out here. And if you guys want to try them, please let me know back how they do for you. So the first one that I'm going to bring up today is going to be turmeric. So um, I have been told that I say turmeric a little weirdly. Um, whatever. It, some people call it turmeric, turmeric. I, I don't know how to contort my face to make that happen. So I just call it turmeric. Um, 
Turmeric is very popular in Indian food, right? Uh, food from Southeast Asia and Asia. It is bright yellow. It is the root that you would be using. And there is a naturally occurring polyphenol, that is a chemical compound, in that root called curcumin. Now, the curcumin is the is the antioxidant that mainly is of the most interest, okay? Um, it's related to ginger. It's in the same family. Um, and that yellow color lets you know that the curcumin is in there. And that polyphenol is so important. Not only is it antioxidant, as I mentioned, but it's also anti-inflammatory. Um, while science has not completely unlocked all of the biological activities that curcumin takes a part in, um, it has a lot of phytonutrients that work to correct free radical damage. Um, your body's always going to make free radicals, okay? So let's have a little sidebar here where we discuss what a free radical is, right? I mean, if you get this little picture in your mind of like some little 1980 anarchy-loving punk dude, right? Um, your skater thrasher trash guy. Oh, wow. It sounds like somebody I would have gone out with out in the day, back in the day. Um, but a free radical as far as cellular free radicals. What that is, is it's an oxygen molecule that has had an electron bumped off of it. Okay. Oxygen's fairly stable. It's missing an electron in its outer shell. So it likes to bond with things that also have a place to put it right to fit together like a puzzle. That's why when it bonds with hydrogen, it becomes H2O. There, um, there's also peroxide, carbon dioxide. Um, oxygen will bind with itself and make O2. That's pure oxygen. And, you know, I mean, it bonds with a lot of things. It bonds with iron and makes rust. That's FeO. Oh, I don't remember how many O's it takes to make rust, but that is rust is when that oxidizes. So what happens is for some, something happens, some sort of chemical process in your body. So sometimes that's UV light rays come in and, and they cause a damage to that oxygen molecule and it'll bump off extra electrons and it can't get stable, right? So instead of being nice and balanced, it's running around like a car missing a wheel, right? So picture the clown car that doesn't have the right number of wheels. So this clown car is driving around and it's just ripping oxygen or ripping electrons off of other body cells, out of other chemical components that your body needs to live. And then you have damage that is called oxidative stress, right? oxidation. It's why fruit turns brown after you cut it. Picture like you cut up an apple and you let it sit on your counter for an apple for an hour and you come back and that apple has brown stuff on it, right? It doesn't mean it's bad. It means it has started to oxidize. That is the oxidative stress that happens when you cut 
that fruit. Now, if you take lemon juice, which citrus fruit is somewhat of an antioxidant, and you spritz that across those apple slices, it tends to combat that oxidative stress that happens. So what happens is it comes in and it's AAA and it gives that weird unbalanced clown car the extra wheel that it needs. So it's not ripping it off the cells. Okay. So what we're looking at for curcumin is we're using curcumin extra electrons, right? Because the, the polyphenols that are in there have extra electrons that they're willing to share. They come in and they're the tow truck that's like, hey, I'll just patch this up. So, I mean, that's kind of a simplified analogy, but it, it does kind of help if you're confused by free radicals and oxidative stress. That's in a nutshell how it kind of sort of works. So back to turmeric and the curcumin in the turmeric. Um, there have been a lot of studies. Turmeric at one point in time, and I haven't looked it up lately, but like, uh, 10 years ago when I graduated from college, turmeric was the number one studied spice and or herb in the world, in the freaking world. Now that may have changed since then, but 10 years ago, that's where we were at. Okay. Um, it has been shown to function as an antioxidant, but then because it is an antioxidant, it acts as an anti-inflammatory. Um, a lot of times if you are, uh, doctors will suggest to add more curcumin or more turmeric to your diet. As an herbalist, I will tell you that usually you want to use turmeric in a couple of ways, right? Either you use it straight turmeric, um, or you can get the concentrated form, which would be the curcumin, um, straight, right? And, and that helps. But if you want to drive it, say you're working on some sort of gut inflammation, it is suggested by many herbalists to use it added with black pepper. Um, and you have to kind of play with it a little bit to see whether the regular turmeric works well for you, regular concentrated curcumin, or if you want the kind with the black pepper added. Um, but there, there's been research studies that show turmeric slash curcumin have been beneficial, possibly beneficial for inflammation in general, degenerative eye conditions, metabolic syndromes. Think, uh, they used to call it syndrome X, the high blood pressure, hyperinsulemia, and heart disease. They all go together. They used to call that syndrome X. Uh, different types of arthritis hyperlipidemia. I said hyperlipidemia. So that's high cholesterol. Um, believe it or not, turmeric has been shown to be beneficial for those who suffer anxiety. Also muscle soreness after exercise. Side note on this one. My 14 year old son is heavily involved in sports and athletics. He lifts three times a week. Uh, for football, he's trying to hit his peak performance. I have him using a drink afterwards, a sports drink that has curcumin in it to help take out some of the soreness after he gets done lifting. Because, you know, sometimes those guys, 
Anybody who's involved in sports and conditioning, if it's a leg day or a lot of squats, they come back and they kind of look like they can't walk, right? It's because those muscles, when you lift, they have little teeny tiny tears that causes swelling. And you want to get that swelling to go down and heal up a little faster for their own comfort. Uh, also, it is said to be beneficial for kidney health as well. Um, some, there's some people who should not use turmeric and or curcumin. Um, if you are prone to kidney stones, this is not a good thing for you to boost up in like a supplement form. Just in diet is more than plenty. Um, there are possibly some different things that would work better for you. Um, like also, like I said, the black pepper, black pepper has a substance in it called piperine, P I P E R I N E. Um, when combined with curcumin, there have been studies to show that it increases your bioavailability. That means your body hangs on to more of it. It's able to break it down and suck it up like a sponge. And without that piperine or that black pepper extract or that black pepper in it, it tends to not get soaked up by your body. It just kind of hits the surface and goes on through. Um, to quote one of my favorite herbalists right now, Mary Blue, um, you can think of the human body kind of like a donut, right? You have your outside surface and then you have your inside surface and like floating around in the meat of the donut, um, the cake part of the donut is all of your internal things. So you want to look at calming down inflammation. It has to touch like, um, it is common practice in herbalism if you want to calm down GI inflammation, you have to take it in a form that touches those GI tissues. So that would be the middle of your donut where the hole is. Um, you do not want to use turmeric and or curcumin if you are on blood thinners and you also should avoid it or double check with your doctor and your pharmacist if you are taking any immunosuppressive drugs. Say you're on an immunosuppressant for some sort of diagnosed autoimmune disorder, double check with your medical team whether or not you can tolerate turmeric or not. I always make sure that people double check and ask all parties involved. We're all on the same team, and when you don't have us all involved so, or inform us all what's going on with another area, we could possibly make a suggestion that is not conducive for you personally. Um, while it's safe for most people as a tea or a food, sometimes there are people who are allergic to it and they may end up with rash or hives or severe abdominal pain. Dude, if it causes you physical discomfort, just don't use it. I mean, I, I really feel like I shouldn't have to mention that. Um, but there are people who just, you know, oh, it hurts, but I'm still going to do it. Just if it causes you physical pain, it's probably not a good idea. Um, turmeric does have an earthy flavor, so it can be kind of an acquired taste. Um, you do want to be careful when you use it with cooking. As a supplement, normally it's in a pill or a capsule, right? It's been pressed into a pill or filled in, in a cap a gelatin capsule filled with it. Um, and you can put it in with your tea. 
Um, however, it is a bright yellow pigment and it can stain clothing and your fingers. Not like, I, I personally don't care if my fingers get stained with whatever herbs I'm working with. I figure it's just a hazard of the profession. But you want to be careful. Don't get it on your clothing. Don't wear white clothes around turmeric. You will never get that out. Um, there are a lot of people who say that you can get it out with baking soda and everything else. I'm here to tell you, no, you can't. You cannot. It's staying. Uh, but if you are into echo dyeing, I had a friend for a little while was doing echo dyed silk scarves. Uh, turmeric makes a beautiful earthy orange, earthy orangey yellow tone, like a deep mustard color. Uh, those scarves came out beautiful with that. Um, I personally add turmeric to my coffee. Um, a few years ago, I realized that I really was overly dependent on coffee. So I gave it up for Lent. If you're not Catholic or you're not familiar with the practice of giving something up for a Lent, that's 40 days and 40 nights of no whatever you just gave up. I successfully did that. And then I noticed that coffee was kind of acrid tasting, right? And that only makes sense. It's just that I was sucking down so much of it that I never really had a chance to notice that it was so acidic. And then when I was off of it for a month and a half and I started drinking again, I thought, oh, that's awful. <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? But I do add turmeric and a couple of others, um, what they would be masala chai spices to my coffee and um, I find that I ache a little less and um, it tastes great. It, it really does. It takes that bitter bite out of the coffee that I make. So, you know, just a clue if you want to throw that in with your coffee. Um, I also um, am a huge proponent of something called golden milk. Um, in India, they'll make golden milk with uh, usually cow's milk or they'll make it with coconut milk. I really like it with coconut milk. It's a very soothing drink and it helps to coat my tummy. Um, some people who like warm cow's milk before bed to unlock that magnesium may find a little extra benefit just putting in a, a little bit. You don't even need a lot. A little smidge goes a long way of turmeric and they make golden milk out of it and they may find some benefit with that. So that is turmeric. Now, the next one that I want to talk about is ginger. Now, ginger, I feel, is a completely un, unsung hero of the herbal world, okay? Ginger is a cousin to turmeric. Um, this stuff tastes great. I don't understand why I'll drink ginger ale and other people just think it's awful or that it's too hot and spicy. I love ginger. It settles the stomach. It's carminative, which means that it relaxes the smooth muscle of the digestive tract. But one of the great other things is that it reduces swelling. And this has been scientifically proven, people. It behaves similar to a class of drugs that are called a COX-2 inhibitor. Now, COX-2 is an enzyme that uh, is released from your body during stressful activities and some other processes of aging, etc. And they, they can actually spur the occurrences of inflammation in the body. And what ginger does is it comes in 
and it it stops that from happening. Um, I was at a larger hospital in our area the other day for a checkup. Uh, I do get my medical checkups every year. Thank God I don't have to deal with a lot of any medications to take. But there was a little informative blurb on the TV in the doctor's office proclaiming the virtues of ginger. People, bland food is awful. Unless you have an open ulcer in your stomach or esophagus, just get some flavor, man. Um, ginger tastes phenomenal. You can have ginger ale, ginger tea, ginger in your baked goods, ginger in your meat. It adds a little bit of a sweet flavor in with the meats, uh, counteracts the taste of savory, which I don't think we eat near enough savory foods. Um, it is nausea relief. I don't think there is a pregnant woman alive who has not been urged to try candied ginger or ginger ale before they result, resort to your more um, prescription-style anti-nausea pills. Pregnancy, let's face it, you got all kinds of hormones and crazy shit going on in there when you're pregnant, man. And you are your prime objective is to keep yourself healthy to incubate that kid. So really ginger helps ease that morning sickness and that queasiness. I was super blessed as a child. That's sarcasm. Sarcasm. I was super blessed to be that kid that was car sick. Six kids. It took six children for my parents to hit one that would throw up every time they had a car ride. So, um, ginger, the smell of ginger would always calm my stomach. Chewing, um, they used to have a gum that had ginger in it. Uh, cinnamon and ginger calmed my stomach. Ginger ale would calm my stomach. Chewing candied ginger. If you want to make your own candied ginger, oh, it is so good. You get sugar water going into a syrup and you chunk up those ginger pieces. And, you know, I take mine down to about a half inch little square chunks, kind of sort of about that size. And I boil, they're peeled and I boil them in sugar water until they look kind of clear, like a gummy almost. And once they hit that point, the sugar has been impregnated into the ginger root. And once they're cooled off, that is a preservation technique. And you can chew on them and they help calm down the stomach. Um, I mentioned that it's a carminative. Uh, because it cuts down on the fermentation and constipation, it also helps to ease the side effects of bloating and gas. And literally any carminatives are wonderful because they re relax those smooth muscles so you don't have that griping pain with it. Um, the antioxidants in ginger, and there are a myriad of them, I mentioned that it is a COX-2 inhibitor, there's so many compounds in ginger that it is not practical to isolate each and every one of those compounds to find out which one works better and make a drug out of it, right? So just eat the damn ginger. Um, there are over 400 natural compounds that that are there to choose from, and a, there are a ton of them in there that are anti-inflammatory. Um, 
I personally really like ginger tea. Like I said, I add um, usually powdered ginger to my coffee. However, in herbalism, you will notice that sometimes it is called for a dried herb. Sometimes it's called for fresh herbs. Sometimes you want that herb prepared a certain way. When I'm making tea, since ginger is one of the spices in masala chai, I prefer to make my masala chai with fresh ginger. So I just, if the, the root skin is nice and clean, I just slice up some fresh and I throw it in with my tea. Now I make masala like a coffee pot full at a time and I keep it in my fridge for a couple of days and then that way I've got it, you know, just at my fingertips, which is basically the same thing that coffee shops do. Um, there are a lot of baristas out there that have no freaking idea what is in masala chai. They just know it's called a chai latte. So here's a little pet peeve of mine. The word chai means tea and chai is tea in Hindi. It's tea in most of the 40-some languages that are spoken across the, the Indian subcontinent. It is tea. Chai is the word tea in Turkish, um, and I believe that it is very close to the Arabic word for tea. So when you order a chai tea, you are literally ordering a tea tea. You, you, you don't have to say that twice. It's just chai. Um, but in the West, we have come to know chai as something that is actually called masala chai. And I dearly love masala chai because of the fresh ginger that is in it. And then it has some other ones that are also kind of anti-inflammatory, like clove. It's ginger, clove, cardamom, black pepper, and cinnamon those are your base ones that are in there. And you can kind of play with that according to your own taste, like how much. But I will make a big pot of that at once. Um, I also eat candy ginger from time to time. I keep it on hand. I'll make a big batch and keep it in a jar in my fridge um, just to make sure I don't have any weird molding with it. If you're going to keep it in a dry storage, I would uh, candy it and then put it like in a food dehydrator out on the counter to get fully dry first. And then um, make sure that um, it's all completely dry and then you can keep it in a jar in your, in your cabinet. You know, it's great. Um, I keep it on hand for sometimes if I get a little upset stomach or if I just feel kind of bloated and gassy. Um, I also just make regular dried ginger tea with a little bit of honey and sometimes I put in a sprinkle of cinnamon. Um, these things all help to keep down the inflammation. Um, whether or not you want to swallow ginger pills is up to you. A little bit of ginger goes a really long way. Um, I, I don't like the articles that all say that the supplement industry isn't regulated. It is regulated. It's just regulated differently. And, you know, 
while they may not have to seek approval to sell you ginger in a capsule, do you really want them to? Because that means the Food and Drug Administration has to go out and find out a safe upper limit of ginger, and that's going to be different for every single person. Plus, it's going to regulate ginger as a food or a spice in your cabinet. So, I mean, some of these things, use your own common sense, people. There are, of course, those people who will possibly have side effects from ginger. It's kind of far and few between. But if you have uh, a problem with, um, of course, rashes, extreme um, gastrointestinal issues after taking it, you obviously cannot tolerate. Don't take it again. People who are on anticoagulation blood thinners, uh, like if you're taking the baby aspirin every single day, or if you're on Coumadin, aka war or or warfin, that is not the same thing, but they're close. Um, those blood thinning medications, you probably don't want to add any ginger in supplement form. And of course, ask before you do any large quantities of ginger, if you are in a population that uh, you have a blood clotting disorder, that kind of thing. Now, one of the herbs that I want to discuss today is something called cat's claw or una de gato. Um, this is a plant the Latin name for it is Uncaria tormentosa. So Uncaria tormentosa is a vine. Um, it's commonly known as cat's claw. And of course, if you know any Spanish, it is uña de gato. So that's one of the cats. Um, in Peru, it is valued as a traditional medicine. Um, it's used for a variety of things in their traditional healing uh, modalities. But what I particularly like is that it seems to work very well as an anti-inflammatory tool. Um, while I prefer to use as commonly available plants as possible. You know, no one's going to say there's a ginger or turmeric shortage in the world, and it's fairly easy to get. Heck, you can go to, like, Kroger is a large chain where I'm at. You can go to Kroger and grab a root of turmeric and a root of ginger, right? So, I mean, you can get those things very easily. However, Unitagato is imported in my neck of the woods, and it seems to protect cells against oxidative stress, and it negates the activity of something called NF-kappa B. And I know that's something you're kind of like, unless you're like super into biochemistry, you're going to be like, that doesn't tell me diddly squat. But there, that is a substance that is activated in the inflammatory processes in your cells. And because cat's claw calms that down, it works slightly different than, say, ginger, which calms down the COX-2 enzyme. So that also means that because they work in different ways, they may be something that you want to use, that I might want to use interchangeably or, you know, use them in rotation, do one in the morning, one in the afternoon, something of that nature. Um, Unidigato is a rainforest plant, so please keep that in mind. Don't go out and think if one is one capsule of this is great, 22 of them are better. 
little dabble do you with these things, people. And it, it will be more expensive than your turmeric slash curcumin, and it will be more expensive than your ginger type of products because it's from the rainforest, and you got to trek your ass down there and hump it through the rainforest, sweating, your, sweating to death, and you have to gather it. And it has to be cleared through customs, and then it has to be uh, tested for pureness by whomever is your uh, supplement manufacturer of choice. So, I mean, these are things that are happen that that will happen that drive up the price of this particular item. Um, but specifically, there are um, extracts of the bark. And that tends to be the most scientifically studied that I have found. Doesn't mean that's the only one. Just means that the studies I found mainly use the extract of the bark of cat's claw. And they seem to, in vitro, so that means in the lab, in vivo means in real life, in an actual person, but in a Petri dish, um, it seems to protect, pre, ugh, there goes the mouth, people. I'm about done talking and I suddenly can't do it. Um, it does seem to protect against oxidant-induced stress in vitro, okay? So that means in the little Petri dish, they had some cells, and they stressed those cells out to watch the little biochemical reactions that would create an inflammatory situation, and they then exposed those cells to cat's claw bark extracts, and it kept those inflammatory responses down to a minimum. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of technical information out there um, about how cat, cat's claw, the chemical constituents in it, actually help to slow down cell death, cell death, which is called apoptosis, um, and how it slows down the assorted oxidative and free radical damage to the body. Um, like specifically the one study that I'm looking at right this second says that cat's claw markedly attenuated indo Methacenteritis, as evident by reduced myeloperoxidase activity, morphometric damage, and liver meta metallothionine expression. Okay, so those large words that I struggled to to read out loud, because each part of that word tells you a little bit about how how that particular substance is built, right? What it did was that it reduced the production of those different uh, enzymes and chemical structures that the cell would produce that is typically seen in people who suffer from endometheth acid methacin enteritis so that is a tight enteritis is like swelling of a gut so it's a particular swelling of the gut so this is super exciting people so if you're like me and you find yourself post 
recovery, hanging on to these symptoms that you can't get rid of after being ill with that virus we shall not name, perhaps you may want to go out there and add one or two or all three of these things to your lifestyle. Obviously, turmeric and ginger are easy to get into your diet, and maybe you could drop in a little bit of cat's claw extract every once in a while. It's worth a shot. Make sure that you aren't on the the contraindication list, that you're not taking blood thinners, etc. You don't have any some weird allergy. If you are on immunosuppressant drugs, always double check your medications with your with against your supplements with your doctor and or licensed medical provider, and also check with your pharmacist. I always tell people to do both because nine times out of 10, one of those people knows a little more than the other about that particular item or that particular drug that you're on and its interactions. So it never hurts to get another brain in on the situation. We are all on the same team. We are all in the business of helping you be healthy. So we definitely want that to be, excuse me, we definitely want that to be objective number one. And I myself always subscribe to the rule to do no harm, right? We don't want to make things worse. That would just be ridiculous to make things worse. So get out there, try those anti-inflammatory herbs and hey, let me know how they did for you. All right, guys, go out there, be a holistic badass, treat yourself the way you should be treated, and get the swelling out. Bye-bye. Hey there, holistic badasses. We are going to forego the herb of the hour this time because I just outlined three fabulous herbs that you can implement into your daily routine. Instead, I'm going to go with the Ask the Herb Chick question that I was sent via Facebook Messenger last week. I had someone ask me, where can we find you? How can we get your information? Do you teach? I wanted to share with you guys a little project that I was blessed to be a part of. There is going to be, very soon, a new format well, not a format, a new platform where you can find online classes and information. Be looking very closely for stuff coming out from the Society of Herbalists and Holistic Healers. This is a fantastic project that I'm so lucky to be a part of, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. There will be some classes from me, as well as other seasoned or veteran practitioners to help spread the word and teach people more about herbs and natural healing. And I can't wait until it's ready to go. So be watching because it's coming very soon. Thank you so much for joining me today, Holistic Badasses. I am so lucky to be in a position where I have a platform to share all kinds of knowledge with each and every one of you. So this is where I put my call to action. 
If you guys want to know more about me and what I do, or maybe you'd like to try some of the products that I offer, please check out my website at herbchickonline.com. That is all one word, all lowercase, no dots, no nothing, just herbchickonline.com. There's more about me. There's blog posts. You can read more about some herbs. And there's also products in my shop. There's also affiliate links to supplement manufacturers that I find extremely helpful and beneficial. Not going to lie, I do make a little bit of money back on those affiliate links. Not a lot, but a little bit. And hey, we got to pay those bills. Speaking of which, please share this podcast. Sharing the word to those who you think might be interested helps them and it helps me. I also would love it if you could just like this podcast and subscribe. Every little bit helps people and we want to keep this knowledge out there and share what we know with everyone. So like the podcast, subscribe on your platform of choice, and let's hole out and we can all be holistic badasses together. Have a great day and go out there and treat yourself in a healthy way.